Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Elaine from Delray Beach, Florida. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. I knew I was an addict, you know, and that's where the drinking brought me back to before that day that I had my my aha moment. But I always was like, was I really an alcoholic? Can I drink safely? And that I think is the insidiousness of the disease. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much to Jeff Bame of Frederick, Maryland for audio editing services. Fantastic. Well, Elaine, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much uh, for having me here and for this opportunity to do service. Oh, fantastic. Well, we get the show started in the same way every day. We ask the guest to read the daily reflection for the day. Elaine, would you get us started? Today's reading from May 4th from the daily reflections, entirely honest. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 73 and 74. Honesty, like all virtues, is to be shared. It began after I shared my whole life story with someone in order to find my place in the fellowship. Later, I shared my life in order to help the newcomer find his place with us. This sharing helps me to learn honesty in all my dealings and to know that God's plan for me comes through honest openness and willingness. Thanks for reading, Elaine. Before we begin, what's your sobriety date? My sobriety date is November 30th, 2000. Awesome. And as you read this, what's the first thing that jumps out at you? It's always that word honest, (laughs) that word honesty. Honesty for me is something that I'm always looking at myself and going, was that honest (laughs) or wasn't that honest? Because I, before I came into the program, I did not even know what the word honesty meant. You know, I knew, you know, uh, giving out the right change or something like that, but to be honest with myself and other people, that was a real foreign concept to me. I think that's a challenge for, for many people that find themselves on the path to recovery. I'd like to know what was happening in your life back in 2000 before you came in. What caused you to think you might have a problem with, with addiction or substances? Okay, well, let me, let me give you full disclosure here. The first time I came into the program was in December of 1988. And I stayed for 11 years. It was fear and not being willing to be honest with certain other people that took me back out. And then what brought me back in in November was I was 
sitting with someone and I said, you know, I can give you two answers to that. I can give you the answer that I used to use before I got into recovery, or I can give you the answer with, you know, who I am today. And as I was giving those two answers, both of them turned out to be the same. And I said, oh no, I've relapsed. That's my level of dishonesty. When I relapsed, I didn't even get in my bones and in my in my head that I had relapsed until that very moment. And then I actually had an aha where this huge voice that bellowed from everywhere said to me, if you don't get back in the rooms tomorrow, you'll be dead within three weeks. That must have been a, a tough time. And I guess there's a part of me that wants to go there on the relapse just in case there are people that are maybe struggling with that whole thing of, you know, sometimes after a few years, we go, ah, maybe I overreacted or maybe I can manage it better now. What was that like for you being out, you know, drinking, I guess, again? Well, for me, my relapse began with just putting a, a glass of wine to my lips without even sipping it. And it started the mental obsession. You know, what is that? What would it be like to have that wine? You know, the next time I was in that situation, I just touched the wine itself to my lips. And then after that, I went, oh, nothing bad happened. And then I went ahead and I drank some. And then I went home. I threw out all my AA literature. I said, see that? I had a problem with drugs, but I don't have a problem with alcohol. There is nothing happening bad in my life until almost a year later when I came crawling back into the rooms. And I wasn't even literally crawling. I was just like, oh no, look at the decisions I've made. Look at the mess that I made of my life. And then to say that I was angry at myself was definitely an understatement. And I was angry in the rooms for about two years. And when somebody came up to me at that first meeting, when I came back in, they looked at me and they said, oh, honey, are you a newcomer? And I grabbed this resentment. What are you talking about, newcomer? I had, you know, 11 years. And But the fact of the matter was, there was obviously something that I wasn't being honest about in my program that allowed me to do that that allowed me to go back out. And I had to start again from, from step, step zero, you know, just acknowledging and coming in and then step one and get a sponsor and just go through. And I like to tell the story of my relapse because there are so many people who had double digits and go back out. And then they're just either too prideful, too embarrassed, too whatever to come back in. And I know the anger. And I know the frustration of doing that and saying that I have 20 years today is no small thing because I've seen so many people go in and out and then die out there. I think about the, the insidiousness of the disease and how it was working on you right up to the moment where you, you began to toy with that idea. I have experienced relapse in my, in my journey as well. And I feel that, it, that at any point prior to this time in, I always harbored a re reservation about my ability to stay sober long-term. Do you feel like you, you had reservations? I, I didn't have reservations on whether I could stay sober long-term. I think what my reservations were 
I knew I was an addict, you know, and that's where the drinking brought me back to before that day that I had my, my aha moment. But I always was like, was I really an alcoholic? Can I drink safely? And that, I think, is the insidiousness of the disease. Because once a pickle, always a pickle. You know, I can't go back to drinking safely once I have, the first time I came into these rooms, I mean, like I lost the ability to speak in complete words, let alone complete sentences. My my skin was yellow. I had red spots that itched like crazy all over my body. I, I was, I was a mess. And that's, that's the disease, you know, like, oh, it was just from the drugs. No, no, it's all the same for me. You know, you're touching on the, the devastation of, of active addiction. And I'm just so glad you're here. And I'm glad you're here 20 years later. It, it occurs to me that this honesty thing we're talking about is a kind of an unfolding desire as well. Mike knows, and I've shared about this on the program that I've recently done a new inventory and the level of honesty that I was willing to go to was a level that I was never willing to go to before, because honestly, I just was incapable. So I guess I'm curious now let's talk about recovery for you and how have the steps helped you in this journey of ever growing honesty? For me, honesty was not an event. It was, it's a process and it's still evolving today. You know, I remember going to a meeting my first time around in the program and it was a 10 o'clock candlelight meeting and the topic was honesty. And I remember raising my hand and saying, what, what, what is honesty? You know, I didn't have a clue. And I would find myself, even after I came back into the program, telling a lie when the truth would do just as well. It was just so programmed into me to protect myself from the outside world to lie. And as I have evolved in the program, for me, sponsorship is incredibly important. Today, when I think that something is the right move to make, I have to call my sponsor who knows me backwards and, well, I have two sponsors right now because my sponsor, who's been my sponsor for the past 19 years, is ill. And she knows me so well that when I call her and I say to her, this is what I'm thinking, is this true or not? Because I still don't don't 100% trust myself and my thought process. I know where my, you know, that alcohol is but a symptom. And I grew up in a house that was a, almost a no talk house. We, we don't talk about things. We don't talk about what's going on. We don't talk about the problem. You know, we go through life looking like everything's okay. And for me to take those veils off, to be able to reveal myself to you took for me a long time, a long time of, of learning that, that you guys in the program weren't lying to me, that you would really be here, that you really wouldn't judge me. I remember saying to my first sponsor, my first time around, you know, well, what if I mess up? And she said to me, well, then we'll just have to love you more. And that was amazing to me because my thought was that if I mess up, the ground is going to swallow me up and I am going to die. And I can't tell you where I got that from, but that was my thought process. 
you know, today, if I catch myself telling a lie where the truth is perfectly okay, I actually have to stop and say to somebody, wait a minute, let me think about that because I don't know if what I just told you was the truth. And I remember saying that to a boyfriend a number of years ago, and he just looked at me and said, what? And I said, yeah. I said, sometimes I have to check myself to make sure I'm telling the truth. And, you know, I'm not embarrassed by that anymore. That would have embarrassed me years ago. And today it's like, well, that's just who I am. You know, take me for who I am. If you can't take me for who I am, I'm sorry, but I can't get smaller so that I fit into your world. I have gotten my whole time in sobriety is over 30 years now. And when I get used to relating to the people in the program, sometimes other people don't really get it when I talk, when I state my truth, and they will judge. And today it's like, well, that's the way it goes. I'm sorry, but no, I don't even say I'm sorry. That was a lie, okay? I just go, well, that's just who I am. I love it. No no apologies are necessary when you're living a principled life. I'm thinking about the inertia of the life of the liar. You know, it's the lies have this this gravity that continue to pull you toward that that life of lies and you have to feed into them constantly and it pulls you away from, you know, any kind of principled life. Similarly, the program of recovery has inertia. And when we use the steps and the principles and weave them into our lives, we get this escape velocity from the other side. And that's what I found anyway. Mm -hmm. So, so tell me about your journey this time and through the steps, tell me about uh, how the steps are manifesting for you today and, and how the promises are coming true. Well, for me, you know, I am constantly working the steps and I have been blessed over the years with some incredible sponsees. And there's nothing better to keep me honest than working with somebody who, you know, I'm going through the big book with, I'm going through the steps with. And as I do that, I see where I am lacking. You know, whereas I may not see where I'm lacking when I'm working with my sponsor on it, when I'm talking to somebody else and sharing with them what I have gone through, it comes out with, you know, head beams behind it because I can't be dishonest with a sponsee. You know, I can try to be dishonest with a sponsor. It always comes out, but not with a sponsee because this is my responsibility. When anybody anywhere reaches out, I want the hand of AA to be there, not the hand of Elaine. If I don't give you truth, I am not taking care of my responsibility. And I would, I would not be here today. I wouldn't have the relationship that I have with my family. I wouldn't have the, the relation, my work relationship. Um, I wouldn't have been able to, at my sponsor's suggestion, after doing another fourth step, going back to school at 50 years old and getting my college degree, and then going back to school again at 60 years old for physical therapy to do something that I love now. And I have a phenomenal job with people who I am able to be honest with. 
patients will say to me, you know, is this going to help me? And I go, I don't know, but let's try it. You know, that's how the steps manifest in my life. The steps manifest in how I'm being of service, how I am there for you, even when this selfish, self-centered alcoholic wants to say, hey, but listen to me, listen to what I'm going through. This is tough. And putting that aside and saying, what's going on, honey? You know, what's going on? Are you okay today? You know, hearing somebody's voice on the phone and saying, wait a minute, let's chat for a minute. Let's talk. Look at one of my patients and going, you know, I hear what you're telling me, but what's going on with this? What happened there? And that's the program. That's not me. That's that's not me at all. And because my best thinking will get me back out there again. I've proved it. That's awesome about going back to school at 60. So empowering and so inspiring. I'm curious what role a higher power plays in your life today and how, if you want to tell us a little bit about that process. So for me, that that definitely was a process. When I first came into the rooms, I wanted to believe that a higher power was there for me, but because of my, I don't know, my childhood, whatever, I believe there was a higher power, but I didn't believe that that higher power had anything to do with my life. So when they told me that I could use good orderly direction, group of drunks, that helped me tremendously. And that evolved, that evolved into me seeing these little coincidences in my life that couldn't have been me. I mean, even, you know, before I came in the first time, well, that, this is another story. And I know that we're talking about the recovery part now, but I think that this is important. I, I found this piano tuner in, in one of those penny saver newspapers, and he came over to tune the piano. He looked at me and said, oh, you look so troubled. May I pray for you? And he got down on his knees and prayed for me. And I was in shock because I, I, that was not any part of my life at all. And within a couple of weeks, I was in the rooms. And I've tried to find him since then. And there is no piano tuner in that, in that area by that name. And as I look at these things, and I'm one of these people who is constantly saying, okay, God, if you're there, you know, give me a sign. And he just, I, I believe that my God just looks down on me. And I will call higher power God because it's a smaller word and it's easier for me. Looks down on me and goes, oh, honey, again, okay. Okay, I have patience. I have patience. I'll keep doing this for you. You know, I'll keep doing this for you. And then you do it for other people. Today, my life is a life of prayer, but maybe not organized prayer. You know, set prayer. It's, it's like, God, hi there. It's Elaine, a woman that I knew in the program years ago. She's since, she since passed but she had about 40 years at the time. And she said she starts her day by just reaching up with her hand and saying, hey, God, it's Jeannie. Just take my hand today and lead me. And that, that's my prayer. You know, hey, God, wherever I'm supposed to be, take me. And then quite often before I talk to somebody else, I go, just put the words in my mouth. And the one most consistent thing that I have done over the past 30 years 
is in that moment of silence, say, God, please use me as a vehicle to speak your words. Because otherwise I am thinking about what I'm going to say instead of hearing what God wants me to hear. So I just, being so wrapped up in self, just constantly during the day at various points, just saying, hey, take it, okay? I don't know how to do this life. I don't know how to do it. You need to show me. I love that. And that's, it's such a relief to know that you don't have to do everything on your own and there is a higher power in your life working. That's tough for some newcomers to understand though. So tell us what you might tell a newcomer if they're thinking that they may have a problem, you know, too big to handle on their own. The first thing that I remember when somebody tells me about a problem is what it says in the doctor's opinion. And where it says in the doctor's opinion, you know, like you may absolutely rely on anything they say about themselves. It doesn't say you may rely absolutely on anything they may say, but there's those words about themselves. So what I'll do, and I guess because I'm I am, I am, um, I won't call myself mature, but I'm, I'm, I'm up there in years. It's very rare that I hear something that I don't have some experience with. And then I'll share something about myself. I'll just talk about my reliance on God or higher power, what, whatever will be in that situation. You know, like I'll go, you know, I've never really had any experience with that. But I know somebody who has. Let me, let me call them with your permission and see if they'll talk to you. Because I know how this, this seems so overwhelming to you right now. But together we can get through it. What you can't get through alone, together we can get through it. And I promise you, my hand will be there in yours. Just put your hand out and feel it. And that's the way that I learned to do it. It's beautiful. The phrase always occurs, you know, we're just here to help walk you home Mm. and we're here and we want to be with the newcomer in this journey because we believe in it. I love what you just shared. So as we wrap up, I just want to say thank you. You're just an amazing human. Is there any final thought that you'd like to share before we close? I, I I think what I'd like to share with the newcomer is... You know, for me, as, as you've just heard, honesty is a process. There's no such thing as messing up. You know, we have a 10th step, an entire step that doesn't say if on that rare occasion, when you are wrong, it says when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. We're going to mess up. We're going to lie. We're going to do something that we're not happy about. Just bring it to us. Just bring it to us. We've got an entire step on that. We've got a way of dealing with it. It's not that big of a deal. Well, Elaine, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. A pleasure to meet you, too. Great to meet you. I love your podcast. Listen to them on my way to work in the morning. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. Thank you for coming, Elaine. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community 
at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day. This podcast produced by Lee McGinnis and Michael Lynn. Audio editing services by Jeff Bame.